High Church. I've been thinking this week a lot about uh, the end of John 6 where um, Jesus, the, Jesus gives the teaching around um, that people need to drink his blood and eat his flesh and therefore uh, live eternally. If you think about this, this, this is a, a hard teaching and lots of people don't understand this and certainly back then that was the case. That's where you have the, the passage where lots of his disciples turn away um, and then Jesus turns to the twelve in John 6.68 and says, what about you? Where Will you also go away? And Peter says to him, where should we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. Um, and I think that's that's been something that's been on my mind this week. Where else would we go? Every time we look around and see uh, things going wrong in difficult circumstances for people, um, always come back to that. Where, where would we go? Who else has eternal life? Um, so let's let's pray together and, and remind ourselves of that. Father, we thank you for your, your goodness to us. We thank you that you reached out to us. You thought of us before we even knew who you were. You were preparing the way for us to come to know you and to love you. You understand us. You know us better than we know ourselves. And so we can trust you, Father, and bring everything to you, all that we are suffering, uh, all that's going on in our lives, we can bring it to you. We look at the world and we wonder what's going on and we see strife, destruction, and where are you in this, Lord? And yet we go back to this, you have the words of eternal life. Where else can we go? What can we do? So we trust you, Lord, we turn to you we turn to your word and we, we seek what you have to say to us. Help us to be diligent in doing this, Lord. Help us to continue to read your word. As Sam said a couple of weeks ago, that famous part at the beginning of Joshua of be strong and courageous, but it all wraps around the idea that we need to be in the word and studying the word. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us to be faithful in that. We take in so much media and other information and help us to balance that with your word, praying to you and orienting ourselves towards you, Father. Um, we give thanks, Father, for church and the way things are going there. We, it's just been fantastic that we've seen your provision in that. Again, yeah, we're just so grateful for that. Um, Sam sharing it's it's miraculous really that as one door was closing and we weren't sure what was happening you're opening other doors you were preparing this father before we knew and we just trust you in that we think of lots of people uh, in the current circumstances around COVID people who are losing jobs or um, you know, looking at uncertain futures um, and we just pray father that you would be alongside them, you would trust them, that they would know you more richly than ever. We thank you that you do come to us, Father, that you are there. We just need to 
to talk to you and so often we don't so often we look to other things and other sources of comfort but really father we should come to you help us to remind ourselves to do that and to remind others to do that and encourage each other in doing that um just pray father again thinking about church we just give thanks for the leadership who've been diligent through all of this process and we just pray for continued wisdom for them that you would be blessing and encouraging them in this that you would be strengthening them um there's there's much still to do father and many challenges ahead i'm sure but again father we just pray that um that we would that this would be something for for us and for our church to see you at work and to be reminded of of the way you can work that as i'm sure in the future there'll be times when there's issues and problems and things that we face that we will be reminded again of of your gracious goodness and mercy to us so father we do just give thanks again for just your goodness to us the way you bless and encourage us just pray that you would strengthen our faith that you would help us to to not i guess keep all that to ourselves but be open to sharing with others and to to seeking out the good of others to looking outside of ourselves even as we're perhaps struggling ourselves with what's going on uh, and with our circumstances because you have the words to eternal life and we just pray father that we would trust you in that and that your mercies would flow through us that are renewed every morning and we would share those with others in jesus name amen amen thank you so much uh ben for for leading us so so beautifully uh in not only prayer but in the thoughts of, of why we pray and, and in the ways we pray. Uh, and as Ben mentioned there, it's just been so amazing to get into the Word of God, um, almost in a verse-by-verse verse way as we do a, a bit of a teaching series on, on Joshua. But I, I said at the very start of this series, you know, the, the Word of God is alive. And this isn't just a story, even though it is an amazing story, if you think about just reading it as a story. It is a great story, but it's more than just a story. It is, it is the Word of God, and His Word of God is alive, and He speaks to us through that. And uh, particularly um, today, we actually see uh, a lot of the Old Testament is a, a foreshadowing, is a, a pointing to, is a, a prelude to Jesus and the way that Jesus has come to rescue us and to redeem us. And we see so many similarities or, or themes or pictures that remind us or that, that point to uh, what Jesus has done. And, and particularly Joshua is, is one of those uh, scenarios. In fact, I mentioned this a, a while ago, uh, Joshua uh, in Hebrew is, is Yeshua. And the English translation for that in the, from the Greek is Jesus. And so Joshua and Jesus share the same name, which is uh, God is our deliverer or the Lord is our salvation. And the point of the story as we've been going through is that salvation, that victory, that uh, freedom is found not in our doing. Uh, it was not in, in the people of Israel's effort. Uh, it was all in the Lord's uh, enabling, in his leading, in his miraculous uh, provision uh, in his working and in, in his effort. 
And in the same way, we look at, at Jesus and our salvation is not because of what we're doing. It's not because of our, our effort, uh, our works, but we rest in the finished, completed work of Jesus. And so in Joshua, we see uh, Jesus parting the, the sea, making a way. He parts the, the curtain in the, in the temple uh, at, his, at his sacrifice on, on Good Friday in order to enter into the Holy of Holies, enter into a relationship with God. So as, as Joshua uh, leads the people into the promised land, Jesus leads us into the promises of God, into the, the spiritual field life that he has for us, uh, full of, of, of bountiful plenty uh, in the spiritual heavenlies. And uh, today we'll finally get to the walls coming down, the most famous part of Joshua. We'll get there. Uh, but first of all, just a couple of uh, preliminary things uh, to get there. There, we've, we've, We're in the promised land now. The, the children of Israel have, have gone through the, the Jordan. They're now camped uh, in the promised land. And you would think from a natural military point of view, uh, the people in the land are frightened. They've said that their hearts are melted and, and they're, they're scared of, of the power of God that is with the people of Israel. And so they're actually retreated to the, the city of Jericho, which is their fortified city. So all of the, the, the farmers and, and the, the, the towns around this, they've, they've all run, they've all gone to hide in the fortified city thinking that that's going to be the place where they can be saved. And so you would think that the right thing to do now would be to rush ahead to, while, while people are retreating, while they're scared, let's take advantage of that in a military point of view and let's rush in and take it. That's, that's a natural order. That's what you'd expect to happen. And what do we see happen in the story of Joshua? They're in the land. They, they, they go through the river. They're there. Do they now go and, go and take it? No, we, we see actually a different picture. And it's, and it's something that I want to draw out this morning. Uh, so first of all, uh, that they celebrate the Passover. Uh, they, they consecrate themselves uh, through a, uh, a, a medical procedure for the males. I won't go into that this morning. Um, and uh, talk about a way of making your army not ready to fight by wiping out all the, the, the males <laughs> in the camp <laughs> for a few weeks. Um, and they build a memorial. So rather than rushing in and, and, and taking, taking the city, they first sit and they, they wait and they, they set up a memorial to remember what God has done for them. So they're, they're, they're really worshipping. They're, they're remembering the goodness of God. They're remembering all that God has, has done for them. I just want to bring out a couple of, of things there. Um, so... They, they get stones from the middle of the Jordan River and they wrecked uh, this memorial. And it, it says something uh, very interesting. And why do, why do they do that? Uh, if you go to that, that first, uh, in, in, in chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, it says, In future, when your children ask you what do these stones mean, tell them. Okay, so the, 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 the memorial is... a is, has a reason to remember and to tell the story of God, to, to remind themselves of the, the promises and the, the miraculous way that God has actually moved them. And this, of course, is what 
the Passover was supposed to do, uh, yearly after year, they're reminding of the way that they've been uh, saved out of Egypt, out of slavery. And so in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them. And then, again, later on, at the end of the chapter, of chapter 4, in verse 21, says, he said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them. Now, again, there is a repeat here. Um, and if we're going back to that chiastic structure, there's repeats all the way through Joshua. And in the middle of uh, these two things, uh, it talks about how the Lord is going to exalt or um, raise up Joshua before the people as he did with Moses. And again, as this is a foreshadowing of, of what uh, Jesus has done for us. Uh, we're reminded of, of Jesus when he was talking with his, his disciples uh, before he went to the cross, uh, particularly in John uh, 17, and he, he prays for his disciples and he, and he, he tells them what's going to happen. And there he says, the Son of Man will be exalted. The Son of Man will be glorified. Uh, and so, again, here is, here is a chiastic structure that, that gets us to, to the point of there's something going on here that Joshua, Jesus, uh, is, is, is going to be exalted. And, he, and, and that word really means to show, to show people for who he, he really is. Joshua really was a, a Jesus character for the people in, in leading them into the promised land. Jesus uh, leads us into the, to the fullness and the mercy of God. He is shown for who he really is, uh, the son of the living God. And so the, the memorial there is to remind them. In fact, uh, I've, I've been going back to Deuteronomy, uh, the, the, the book before Joshua, uh, and, it, and it says, remember those phrases that I just did in, in chapter 4. If you go to chapter 6, it says this in Deuteronomy. In future, when your sons ask you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws? Tell them. <laughs> there it is again. Once again, the same, pretty much the same phrase. So what's going on here? What's going on is the principle not to forget all the good things that God does for us. You see, in our lives, sometimes uh, we, we have an experience of God. Uh, we're rescued. Uh, we're saved. He does something miraculous for us. He provides for us. And then as life goes on, sometimes we can feel like our prosperity or our, our goodness is something of our doing or, or our effort. We, we got to hear on our own devices. And we, we find that when we pray, the, predominantly, the predominant times that we pray is when we're in need, not when we are uh, doing well. And so the Lord is reminding us in this passage and in Deuteronomy. In fact, in Deuteronomy 8, there's a whole whole chapter where, where the Lord is almost pleading with the Israelites. He's saying, please don't forget me. Say, so I'm going to bring you into the... Uh, let's get to it. Deuteronomy um, chapter 8, it, it says, don't forget the Lord... Um, yeah, yeah. In the future, when your sons sons ask you, uh, in, yeah, do the eight one. 
Yeah, yeah. So when you've eaten and satisfied and, and are satisfied, when you're in the law, the the land, it's going to be an amazing. It's going to have wonderful food. You're going to have towns that you didn't build. There's crops that you didn't plant. You know, it's going to be an amazing thing. It's going to be an amazing blessing. So when you're doing that, please don't forget me, says the Lord. Be careful not to forget the Lord your God. It also says it in Deuteronomy six earlier. It says. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When you eat and are satisfied, be careful not to forget the Lord. Now, there's a few explanation marks happening here in Scripture, and that is the reminder not to forget the Lord. In fact, um, in Joshua, it says, erect these stones as a memorial for what God has done, and, and it's a reminder to the next generation. It's a reminder to tell the story, to tell uh, what has happened uh, to your children. And I'm challenged in this, and I just want to put out a bit of a challenge to all of you parents watching now, uh, particularly if you're parents of young children. Uh, How many of you parents, and me included, have actually sat down and told your kids your testimony? told them of the good things that God has done in your life, of the reason uh, you go to church, the reason you pray, the reason uh, you follow the, the word of the Lord. Uh, how many of your children could, could say to their friends at school, my, this happened to my parents and it was an amazing thing? This is exactly what the principle here in erecting these stones were for. so that generations to come would see them and say, what are these stones for? Let me tell you a story about how good God is. Let me tell you a story of of what God has done uh, in our lives. And we should take that to the generations to come as well. And the other thing that's happening here for Joshua in not just jumping into uh, tackling the city of Jericho is that the Lord is with him in every stage. God had made it very clear that, the, that he was giving the land to the people. How that was going to happen, they didn't necessarily know. And so it is in our lives. Sometimes the Lord calls us. Sometimes the Lord gives us a promise. Sometimes the Lord gives us a vision of what he has for us in our future. Sometimes that vision, that call, can be so great, can be so out there that we can sometimes say but lord there's a river to cross in my life there's there's a city to in my way there's a barrier i can't do that there's something in me that needs to change there's a miraculous things that has to happen in my life in order for that to come about and i'm aware of that in my own life you know the lord called me into ministry at a time when i was uh, i would say that i was kind of far from the Lord in, in, in many aspects. I thought, in order for this to outwork itself, my goodness, a lot has to change, and I don't know how that's going to happen. The story of Joshua is an amazing thing in that the Lord leads him to the next stage, and then he gets to there, and then he leads him to the next stage, and he gets in there, and then he leads him to the next stage. You know, sometimes it's not just a from here to there in one go it's from here to there via this and sometimes there's a bit of a scenic route and sometimes it's actually via (laughs) via here 
But the Lord actually works in all of those circumstances and in all, all of those situations to actually bring about his promise. And that's what we see. And so there's Joshua. He's in the promised land. He's probably looking over the maps that the spies brought back of the land and thinking military-mindedly, how are we going to go and take it? And then this interesting thing happens. Someone appears, an angel of the Lord appears to Joshua. And we're going to read now from Joshua um, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 13. So if you've got your Bibles. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up and asked him, are you for us or are you for our enemies? It's a pretty important question to ask if there's a person there with a sword. Uh, and I love the answer, neither. I don't need to kind of answer your question. Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord. Now, in your Bibles, it should have there the word Lord capitalized. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I've come. And then Joshua fell face down in the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does the Lord uh, have for his servant? And again, the Lord there is capitalized. The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. Now, kids, where have you heard that before? Where have you heard take off your sandals for the ground that you're standing on is holy? Uh, it was the story of Moses, wasn't it, at the burning bush uh, when the Lord appeared to Moses uh, and prepared him for what was to come. It was the actual Lord there with him. It was an appearance of God. Uh, we call that a theophany uh, for um, appearing to Moses in encouraging him. And, and so, so here we have a similar situation and Joshua would have remembered that. And, and so here is, is Joshua now with the Lord appearing to him. Now, uh, many scholars uh, would say that there's something called a theophany where, where God shows up. Uh, for his people. And there's something called a, a Christophany, which is where a pre-incarnate Christ actually appears uh, in the Old Testament. And, and some would say that this would be an ex example of that. Uh, when Abraham uh, was sitting by his tent, uh, three strangers came and he calls one of them Lord with a capital L. When Jacob was wrestling the man um, and, and wrestles him till daybreak, he wrestles someone with the name the Lord. And here it appears to Joshua, someone with the name the Lord. Here is uh, Jesus uh, appearing to uh, Joshua. And it says that he's the commander of the Lord's armies. I take you back to uh, when Jesus is in the garden and Peter chops off the, the soldier's uh, ear. Uh, Jesus says in that scenario, he says, I, at, at my word, I can command thousands of angels uh, to come. Uh, and, and so that's him saying that he is the, the commander of the Lord's armies. Of course, Jesus doesn't do that, but he humbly uh, accepts uh, going uh, into trial and, and suffering on our behalf. And so here we have a picture of, of a pre-incarnate Christ, perhaps, uh, or just a, a, the Lord in, in an angel form coming to, to Joshua. 
And there's an important principle in this. And that is so often in our lives and in Scripture, we see that uh, before there is public victory, there is a private visit. Before there is a, a public victory, there is so often a private visit. That there, before warfare, there is worship. Uh, before uh, you know, public proclamation, there is prayer. Uh, and that is why we see uh, the, the people celebrating Passover. This is why we see them building memorials. This is why we see them consecrating themselves. Uh, because before the victory comes a, a realisation and comes an experience, comes an encounter uh, where in private, in our devotion, uh, in our prayer life, uh, the Lord reveals something to us that is precious that we then take on and, and live out in a public space. We haven't even got to the walls yet. We'll get there. Okay, so uh, chapter 6, the walls come down. Now Jericho was uh, tightly shut up because of the Israelites and no one went in and out and no one came in. Okay, they're, they're running scared. They're thinking that um, surely you know, their God of Israel can, can do all these wonderful things, but he can't, he can't do anything about this city. The walls were, in some places, they say, 20 feet thick. Um, you know, and the, the Israelites were traveling through the desert to get here. They didn't have their catapults. Uh, they didn't have battering rams. They didn't have towers that were a normal military um, <laughs> maneuver. They, they just had themselves. And so how is this going to come about? The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. There's the promise. Um, along with its king and its fighting men, march around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast from the trumpet, we, ha we have all the people give a loud shout. Did a bit of shouting this morning in the kids' spot. Give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. So Joshua, here, here's again obedience. Here is trust. Here is faith. The word is, is given and they obey the word even when it seems a bit weird. Now, in our lives, sometimes we, in our own understanding or own upbringing or own influence in the world, might see some of the ways of the Lord as a bit weird. But here comes obedience in following that and outworking that. So, Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the people, Advance, march around the city with the armed guard go, going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the people, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. 
then shout. Now, if you think about all of the, the war movies that you watch, particularly the ancient ones, uh, as soon as there is an advance, what's, what goes with it? Shouts, Rawr, we're going to take you on. But here, no, they're not to do that. Again, it's a picture of the Lord's doing, not their doing. Then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once, and the people returned to camp and spent the night there. Now, I'm reading this and I'm wondering what the the Canaanites are thinking, those who are using Jericho to, to, to hide. They're thinking, okay, here comes the army, here they come, and they watch them sort of walk around the city, and they sort of watch them walk around, <laughs> and they watch them walk around, and then they go home. And then the next day, they watch them walk around. <laughs> I'd imagine perhaps by the third day, they're thinking, what are they doing? <laughs> What's going on here? They, they might have even started even mocking them uh, from the city walls. Like, you can't get us. You can't get us. This is, this is your best attack. Um, and again, there's a principle for our Christian lives here. You know, sometimes... Uh, as we live out the gospel, as we live out what God has for us, sometimes we are mocked. Sometimes uh, people make fun of us. Sometimes um, it's hard. Um, but we don't ever give up because what happens at the end? Wait till the end of the story to actually see God at work. So if you are in, in that scenario, if you're in a stage of life where it's hard, uh, where you're finding uh, persecution perhaps for your faith, hang in there uh, because what is the end result is, is of most importance. Um, in fact, oh, no, I'll get to that in a sec. Um, so then Joshua from verse 12, uh, got up early the next morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord. Here we go again. So they, they go on the second day and then on the third day. From verse uh, 15, on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and they marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you this city. Really interesting phrase here that Joshua uses. He doesn't say shout um, to make the city fall down. Shout um, in order for, for something to happen. The promise is already given. The victory is already won. He says shout for the Lord's given us the victory in a similar way to the priest stepping into the water and actually participating uh, in the work of God and stepping out in faith, here Joshua believes that the Lord's going to give him the city. He believes what's going to happen. And so in faith, they follow in obedience to what the Lord has taught, taught them to do and they shout and the walls come down. It's, it's a, an amazing story, and it's probably the most famous part of Joshua. And I just want to just finish by bringing out uh, a number of, of thoughts and, and comments on this. And, and it's really relating it, again, back to, to Jesus and what he does in our lives. 
Um, you know, Jericho was considered uh, impenetrable. It was considered to be a fortified city that no one could actually come up against. And I look at this story and I think of our lives and I think sometimes we think that there is too much for God to be able to do in order to save us or to bring us into what he has for us. Sometimes we can actually build up fortified walls in our lives and we can have hardened hearts because of the walls and, and the barriers that we, we build ourselves. And here is a picture of an amazing God who just at simple commands can, can make 20-foot walls crumble. And just at a simple word, Jesus can come into our lives and he can break down the walls that either we or circumstances in our lives have erected uh, around ourselves. Uh, in Revelation, there's the, the famous picture of Jesus standing at the door and knocking. And Jesus doesn't come into our lives with a, a trumpet blast and an army and, and swords and fighting. But he actually comes in just with a simple word of invitation. And he says, I, I long to be with you. And he's actually made a way possible. And, and, and Jesus doesn't force his way in. Uh, he waits for us to actually allow him into our hearts, allow him into our lives. And with a simple word, he comes and he breaks down those walls that we um, build up around us. And the, the other thing that is really quite amazing is the, the way in which this story happens. It seems weird. It seems bizarre. For the first time reading it, 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 it it's just one of those things that only God would, <laughs> would bring up, really. In fact, it, it says in 1 Corinthians um, that, uh, the, and I chose the Good News uh, translation here because I love the way it puts it, God purposely chose what the world considers nonsense in order to shame the wise. He chose the world, what the world considers weak in order to shame the powerful. You know, I think the way that God brought about down the walls of the city, some people might look at it and go, that's really bizarre, that's really strange. In fact, if you were to write the script about how Jesus would ultimately save the entire world, if you were to say, oh, it would mean God coming into the world, taking on human flesh, uh, suffering uh, a a, a brutal death in the way that he didn't deserve on a on a Roman execution uh, thing, and then being raised to life. That that's the story. That's the way in which your life is going to be saved. You, you wouldn't write that. You wouldn't come up with that. It's it's something that sometimes the world looks at and goes, "That's bizarre. That's strange," and yet that's. In the economy of God, that's the way he chooses uh, to save us. And that's the way that the walls came down. And finally, um, it's, it's a bizarre story for, for a number of reasons biblically. Um, and first of all, um, if, if you look at the, the other battles um, that, that happen in Israel's history, the priests were never actually to be uh, a part of the battle plan. Um, and yet here the priests uh, are leading with the Ark of the Covenant. 
Secondly, the ark is never to be used in battle. Uh, in fact, uh, they, they try it later on uh, in 1 Samuel uh, 4 and 5 and, and they fail miserably and actually the ark is, is carried away into captivity. And so the ark is never really used. So that's another reason it's kind of bizarre and weird. Uh, the the trumpets were ram's horns trumpets rather than the silver trumpets of battle. So there's all these these strange things going on in this story. But probably one of the the strangest things, and we we, we sometimes might miss it if we just simply look over it, and that is that the, the victory was won on the seventh day, on the day... Uh, when there was marching around seven times. Now, uh, it doesn't actually mention that this is the Sabbath, um, but it's likely to have been the day being the seventh day. So they walk once around on the on all the, the days leading up to the seventh day, but the victory, the, the walls coming down, actually happens on the day when uh, historically they aren't to work. In historically... Uh, the Sabbath day was a day of rest. It was, it was designed for them to not uh, do any work or any effort or even any marching. <laughs> so the Lord actually commands them to march on a day that they're not supposed to. But here we see a really important point, and I just want to end on this, this point, and I want to really bring it home to you personally. When... Jesus was around, the Pharisees had a go at him and predominantly it was because of him breaking the Sabbath law. He would always be healing on the Sabbath. He would always be doing things on the Sabbath day and, and, and the Pharisees hated that because they were, they were bound by a, a, a religion of, of law, a religion of works, a religion of effort. And, and, and pleasing God by what they did. And so they, they had a big trouble with, with Jesus doing all these things. And famously, Jesus turns to the, the Pharisees after some of the disciples uh, take off some heads of wheat as, the, as they're walking along. And Jesus talks about how David, on, on the Sabbath day, um, you know, ate from, from, the, from the temple bread, and that was okay. And, and then he says these famous words in Mark chapter 7. He says, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And what he's saying there is that the Sabbath is actually designed for us to be our benefit, to be for us. It's not meant to be something that is hard. It's not meant to be a law. It was actually a blessing to be able to work uh, for six days and then have a day of rest he knows how we're made, how what we need uh, in our life. And so, so the Sabbath was actually made for our blessing, for our benefit, for our, uh, our goodness. And then he says, and so the Son of Man is even Lord of the Sabbath. And here in Joshua, we see the walls come down on the day that is designed for our rest. Now, I think there is something really significant in this. And that is in us, in our lives, in our salvation. It is not through our doing. uh, It is not through our effort. It is actually resting in the finished work of Christ. It is actually 
accepting and living in what Jesus has done for us. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath and, and Jesus has won the victory. And so just like Joshua could shout, uh, shout for he has given us the city, you and I can live in the victory knowing that Jesus has actually already defeated uh, our enemy. He has given us victory and it's not in our doing but it's in our Sabbath rest, in our resting in what God has done for us in Christ Jesus that we can actually accept it and live in it. And again, it's just a foreshadowing uh, in this story of a beautiful picture of what Jesus has done for you and for me, that we don't, we don't uh, battle, we don't force, we don't obey, do it by uh, the law, we are not judged by whether or not we keep the Sabbath. In, instead, we follow the Lord of the Sabbath. We follow the one who has actually won the victory for us and we rest in the finished, completed work of Jesus. And that is a beautiful thing. And we're going to sing now of resting in that completed work of Jesus. and We're going to sing the goodness of Jesus and talk about uh, all, all that he has done for us. And so before we, we do that, I just want to pray. I particularly want to pray for you uh, at home if you're facing uh, something uh, or perhaps you're, um, in, even in this time, considering and wondering about your own faith journey and life. Can I encourage you as we pray now and as we sing to actually walk in, to be blessed by, to receive the promises of God, to receive what Jesus has done for us already. We can simply rest in and, and, and receive that finished work that he's done for us. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you uh, that you indeed are Lord of the Sabbath, that you uh, have come and that you have done the work just like you did the work for, for Joshua and the Israelites. It was you that brought down those walls. You, Lord, bring down uh, the walls that separate us from you. You uh, uh, penetrate uh, into our very hearts uh, through the cross and through your resurrection. And we now have victory in our lives because of your finished work. And we can rest in and we can enjoy the full fruits of the land, the full fruits of the spiritual life now because of Jesus and because of what you've done for us. And so, Lord, I just want to pray for anyone who's watching this right now who is thinking about making a decision or who has perhaps um, forgotten the things that you've done earlier in their lives and they need to again be reminded of, of your goodness and of your mercy of your freedom, of your life. And Lord, may you just right now uh, be working in their lives. May your presence be evident. May they experience you again uh, in their lives right now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to, to continue in a sort of uh, a position of prayer and, and thoughtfulness as you think about the word that's been being given to you this morning and ask you that you would respond either by singing or by praying or even by just allowing the Lord to just to speak to you this morning. Use this time right now as a moment in your life where you might even be able to tell your kids about 
and say, there was a day that the Lord did something in my life and I'm able to share and this is what it was. So use this time. Lord, may you move amongst us right now and may we experience you 